I'm Dr. Rob McKenna, and welcome to The Wild Conversation, where we make the best thinking in psychology, leadership, and organizational science accessible to leaders who are willing to learn and edit for their sake and for the sake of others. So I have a dog, and his name is Oakley. And he is a 13-year-old black lab, and we love him dearly, and he is weird. We adopted him at three years old, so I'm not sure about all the experiences he had that shaped him into the weirdo he is, but here's why he's weird. He's a bit aloof and really struggles with eye contact. And um, if you know that that's a little bit weird for a lab, he likes to be near us, but not too close. And he know he loves you if he sits with you within a foot of you and turns his back to you. But he's a pretty fast learner, even at 13. Within about 15 minutes, we trained him to stay out of the bathrooms in our house, and he has never gone in since. And there's something else different about him. My home office is in the backyard of our property, detached from our house, and he will not go into my office when he's in the backyard, no matter what you tempt him with. No hot dog, no steak, no dog treat will work. And this is a dog that is obsessed with eating. And I think you know where he, I know where he got that from. It's the only place in any corner of our house or the little piece of property we live on where he will not go when invited, other than the bathrooms, of course. So what is the story there? And this is the story. When he was young, I put in an electric fence and sometimes he would wear a shock collar. And you know those things. And there's an invisible fence that surrounds your yard. And the dog is wearing a collar with a little sensor on it. And if the dog crosses that line, he gets a little shock. And while some of you may not like that, the rest of the story is that Oakley was a runner when we first got him and, and took off down our driveway, was struck by a truck going about 40 miles an hour. And I watched it happen with my son, which is pretty traumatic, hence the invisible fence. And the fence has a signal it sends out and you set the distance. If he gets outside that signal, the collar goes off and gives him that little shock. And by the way, I tried the collar out. <laughs> this is so weird. So I know what the shock feels like. It's not fun and something I want to do daily, but doable and appropriately shocking. But that signal can vary. And one day when we were having our house remodeled, I put Oakley in my office uh, so he wouldn't bother the construction guys that were walking around. And and I checked the signal and it wasn't he wasn't being shocked. But when I came back five minutes later... Apparently, the signal had weakened from the source, and he was being shocked. Yep, he was being shocked for maybe 30 seconds, maybe five minutes. You can see where I'm going. Is it any wonder that he doesn't want to go in my office 10 years later? While I can't know for certain, there's a pretty high probability that he doesn't trust this the space. And the memory of that moment has stuck with him for his entire life. And is this an issue of trust? Absolutely. Are there a lot of unknowns about the cause of it? Absolutely. Should I assume it's about him possibly getting shocked while stuck in here? Well, maybe yes or no. That's a maybe a yes or no. What in the world does that have to do with gaining trust of our employees? We aren't dogs. I know that. Uh, but there are so many parallels to our organizations, to our leadership, and to the most important thing of all, our relationships to each other. And the most fundamental building block of all relationships, trust. And before I get really practical, let's talk about some really important things that are required to understand if we're going to, to understand trust, what we all want most, what we can't live without, and what we have to build. I've worked with a lot of teams over my lifetime and too many leaders to count. 
The teams that I've worked with and leaders I've invested in have crossed every imaginable industry boundary, different regions of the world, different stages in their growth and, and, and cycles, young leaders, old leaders, new teams, teams that have worked together for years, education, philanthropy, technology, teams in the trades, construction, aerospace, NGOs, healthcare, security, and law enforcement and government. If there's one thing they share and one thing they are looking for when they have called me or called wild leaders, they know that leadership matters and their people matter. And that's what they have in common. People, these are human beings trying to get somewhere, to do something together, build something, produce something, create something, change something. And that's what an organization is. And what they all share when they get, when they get true is this. What every person in our organization shares is a desire for wholeness, for better, or and for fixing of the things in our lives that are lacking. Whether it's a better job, a different manager, less guilt, better performance, faster performance, motivation, or personal wholeness regarding their families, health, and finances, we all want to move toward our desires for wholeness. And we will use different kinds of words like feeling off or a little depressed or down, or the opposite, feeling great and wanting to maintain that. But they, what they share is that desire to feel whole, to be whole. And if wholeness is what we want, what is it that we can't live without? While we wouldn't exist without food, water, sleep, shelter, and oxygen, what is it that we must have to live life to its fullest, to feel engaged, to learn, to perform, and to feel whole? There is no way around it. What we must have is love and not just to be loved, but to love. We use other words to describe love in most organizations like empathy, compassion, kindness, or belonging. But in the end, love is what we must have at work from leaders, from each other in the rest of our lives. To belong, we must love. To show compassion, we must love. And to risk being vulnerable, we must love. The challenge with love is that it runs so much deeper than compassion, care, and being nice. They are facets of love, but love involves knowing one another. It is very difficult to love someone you don't know, or even more, to know someone who doesn't know themselves. Love requires intentional forethought, courage to be vulnerable, a willingness to be accepted in spite of our insecurities, and a sacrifice of our self-protective instincts to take a risk to be known. And if we're to move our people, our leaders, and our organizations toward wholeness, we must love courageously and sacrificially. And surprising to some of us, sacrifice would be to say no, to deliver the hard news, to draw a boundary. And for others of us, we need to bring those boundaries in and let others closer to our own frailty and faults. We must be willing to learn, edit, and grow more transparently and more vulnerably. Different people are faced with different challenges when it comes to loving others at work, at home, and as leaders and teams. And if we are to move for, toward our aspirations for wholeness and our deepest need to love and be loved, we must build trust. Trust is the lubricant that makes everything work. I've said this before, like the oil in our cars, without which our engines will seize and freeze up. Trust creates healthy movement in every piece of our lives. Trust is not the reason we exist or the purpose of our teams or our families, but it is something that we cannot function without. Trust is the concrete manifestation of our belief in someone. If I trust you, I will choose to believe that you will be there when I need you most. And in that way, trust is the bridge between our thinking and our doing, between our beliefs and our actions. 
How is trust as something we build impacted by our fundamental need to be loved? Offering trust and receiving trust is one of the greatest acts of love. To trust is to offer love and receive love, even if we don't fully deserve it. And while we all want wholeness, we aren't there yet. So if we treat trust as something that is without fault, we will never get it. Trust is not the absence of failure or us being let down. Trust is a choice we make in spite of the failures. And that wild level of trust is built on knowing ourselves and courageously sharing a more transparent view of ourselves and the people we're serving as leaders. Is gaining the trust of our employees and our leaders and building a culture defined by trust important? If we don't trust each other, over time it becomes a slow forming rust in the machine of our lives and work. And it's like a nut on a bolt that has frozen in place that will require a very strong wrench and a lot of leverage to loosen. Gaining trust will require some radical things. So here's some of those things. Let's get a little practical. Number one, separate the person and the problem. When I call Oakley to try to get him to come into my office and he doesn't come, it would be natural for me to assume it's about me, but it may or may not be about me. I wasn't here when he was being shocked. I did put the collar on him, but I don't know if he remembers that. There's so much I don't know, but when we confuse a problem with a person, we decrease our trust, become untrustworthy, and introduce rust in places it didn't need to exist. And here's the surprising thing that Oakley will do. This is crazy. If I lead him on a leash, he will not only enter my office at home without resistance, but while but with a wagging tail. He may not trust the space, but he trusts me. Our people will go into the hardest places in their world if we go with them. Separating the person and the problem helps us to see the power of our influence as it relates to the, the situations that they face every single day. Number two, expand the story. Expand the story we are telling ourselves. We cannot assume that people don't trust us. This is another thing about my dog. He loves his yard. Oakley loves his yard. It would be reckless for me to assume that the moment he experienced in my office is the reason for him not wanting to go in my office. It really would. Why? He also loves his yard. We have to continue to expand the story to make sure we have it all. Because maybe my dog is thinking, I don't want to leave the grass, dude. <laughs> it's not about what you think it's about, but it might be. Number three, create systems that are aligned with the goals and actually help people achieve them. Create systems that are aligned with the goals and actually help people achieve them. I'm going to give you a wild example. At Wild, we use a process on our leadership team that allows us to assign tasks to each other. We also have, uh, have it in our charter that we don't typically work on weekends. If we text each other, that's a system. Texting is a system. On the weekends, it's only something really important. And that's something we have written down as in our charter. So we use a separate task assignment system to assign things to each other over the weekend. And knowing that it won't be read till Monday. If we violate that repeatedly, repeatedly, it will be violated sometimes. It would tell one of our leaders that our charter isn't true and we cannot be trusted. Introducing rust 
into our culture. Number four, purpose over results. Other-centered purpose over bottom line results. We lead with our mission and not our money. Money matters, but it will never be a substitute for a mission that is clearly and sacrificially in service to others. You can trust me on that. Number five, know thyself. Know thyself. Trust requires increased knowledge of yourself and others. If I don't know you and you don't know me, can you trust me? To really know each other is to know both our places where we are trustworthy and places where we aren't. When we built the Wild Trust platform, we knew that building trust where it doesn't exist is a wild proposition. We knew it wouldn't be about merely increasing collaboration for a moment in time, but about investing deeply in the generative and ongoing capacity of people and leaders to thrive. Generative, ongoing, to thrive and perform together for the long haul. Change in editing is necessary for every person involved. The changes can be difficult. They will require the whole person and they will be deeply personal. Number six, focus on the basics. Focus on the basics. Wholeness is the goal, but we get there by one tackle at a time. We don't win football games by just one tackle. We do one tackle at a time, one run at a time. Trust starts within each of us with really practical things. This is focusing on the basics. basics. Really practical things we think about all the time. If we must know ourselves for others to know us, what should we know? We should know our skills. We should know what we're not so good at. We should know what we know and what we don't know. Knowledge matters. We should also know why we're here, our purpose. We should know what we're trying to get done, our goals. We should know where we need help, that's strategic support. We should know how to help others and invest in them. And yes, this is why so many years ago when I built a platform and a structure and an architecture for doing this, it is too simple not to use a process that allows you to see those very simple things, those basic things in our development as leaders and as people, if we're going to build long-term health and performance. And we have to do trust maintenance because all of those things, those different things are changing within us and between us. You don't assess your performance and call it good, do we? None of us do that. We assess again. And number seven, this is a biggie. Break the silence. Break the silence. The problem that occurs when we fail to talk about who we are, what frustrates us, frustrates us about each other, and what we need to improve what we are good at and what we need from others is that the silence and failure to talk together and learn together exponentially increases the number of assumptions we make about each other's actions and even our motives. We take more things personally and are forced to spend at least half our time trying to figure out each other's motives as we do figuring out how to expand our impact. A lack of trust is created when we don't talk together in a vulnerable and transparent way Silence feeds, good golly, isn't this so true? Silence feeds our lack of trust. Conversations of love and truth expand trust and open up bandwidth for productivity, for progress, for flourishing and growth. All outcomes we get when we build our culture and our lives on a platform of trust. 
That is it, y'all. It's seven things to think about. So here's all I got to ask you. What is worth paying attention to for you today? And let's just keep this wild conversation going. Thank you for listening to this wild conversation. To join our live wild conversation on Fridays, visit our website at wildleaders.org backslash wild conversation and subscribe to this podcast for regular whole and intentional leader development conversations. Have a great day.